0: Hello friends, and welcome to episode 787 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, we'll be speaking with Katie, who has a child with type 1 diabetes, and there are some big feelings in this episode, hence the title, Big Feelings. I almost went with Katie's Big Feelings. And then I thought, nah, no, no, Big Feelings. It's better, shorter. I like it. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Do you live in the United States of America and have type 1 diabetes? Or are the caregiver of someone with type 1? If you do and you are, then you should fill out the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. This will take you fewer than 10 minutes. Help people with type 1 diabetes. Might help you. It's definitely going to help me. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. The survey takes 10 minutes to fill out. It's easy. The questions are simple. They're about diabetes. You can do it. Completely HIPAA compliant. Absolutely anonymous. Absolutely anonymous. T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. You can find out all about the Contour Next One and just buy it online if you want to at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Great website. All the websites for the uh, for the what do they call sponsors are actually terrific. Tons of information. But this one's next level. There's so much there. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Today's show is also sponsored by InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. If you want some of the functionality that you've heard about with an insulin pump, but you don't want an insulin pump, you can get it with the InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. InPentoday.com to get started. You may pay as little as $35 for an InPen. I'll tell you more about that. Doing the ad
1: this is my first time doing a podcast so mine too me. i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah you've done like 500
0: <laughs> you know that the first time i made a podcast i was recording with a guy who was an american idol contestant who had oh. who had type 1 diabetes and uh-huh. i thought like i mean in my mind i i launched my podcast like american idol was big back then yeah so I I started this podcast. I put it up online, this little like placeholder episode. It's like called microphone test or something like that. And then mm-hmm. I was getting ready to make my first episode when I when this kid popped up on uh, American Idol, and I like took a swing at getting him on and actually did it. So the very first time I ever recorded the podcast, that's who I had to interview. So I was nervous. <laughs>
1: yeah I bet. but I, I, am,
0: bet. I am not nervous now, are you?
1: um i I'm a little like coming into it, but I knew it was coming. um so I am somewhat relaxed, actually, which is kind of strange, but <laughs> yeah, I think I just kind of went into my um uh, my i I take yoga, so I think I went into my <laughs> kind of like my yoga breathing and just kind of went into my happy place. My name is Katie. I was born and raised in California. I live in Northern California, the Bay Area. Um, Let's see. Your name name is
0: spelled wrong, Katie. (laughs) K-A-T-Y. For for three days, I look at it on my calendar and I'm like, let her say her name first in case there's some like hippie pronunciation here, but you just yeah,
1: it. it's Katy. I'm just kidding.
0: I don't know. Like I'm, I'm waiting to find out. Uh, uh, you, you go ahead. I'm so sorry. You're the parent of.
1: So um, it's actually really funny because my whole life I've always gotten Kathy, Kathy, Caitlin, Ka- Catherine. <laughs> and I'm always like, it's Katie. This is K A T Y. But yeah, I got that a lot in elementary school. Okay, so I am 36 years old, and I have two children mm-hmm. um, and, and a husband. Um, I live in Yountville, California. Um, my kids are uh, Griffin. He's 10 years old, and Jackson, six years old.
0: Are their names all spelled correctly?
1: Uh, so Griffin is G-R-I-F-F-I-N, <laughs> and Jackson, J-A-X-O-N.
0: <laughs> Katie, Are are you immune to my sarcasm, or are you just very earnest?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sarcastic myself. Okay, well,
0: you're hitting me back with it. I see. All right, that's fair. (laughs) Well, then I'll be careful.
1: I was born, I was
0: raised in a pretty sarcastic family. I like that a lot. Uh, Which one of your children has type 1?
1: So my older son, Griffin, um, he has type 1 diabetes, and uh, he also has celiac. Um, and, uh, he has, he, he's got a lot going on. Um, also some anxiety that we've been dealing with as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll try to stay just on the type one for the most part. Um, so he was diagnosed when he was three and a half years old, um, July 11th, 2015. I was, uh, I was eight months pregnant with his brother Jackson. Okay. And, um, we had actually just had the baby shower for Jackson. Um, I think it was two weeks prior to the diagnosis. And what happened was Griffin was, (laughs) he was very healthy for the first three and a half years. Um, hardly ever even got a cold. You know, I remember being around other families, and their kids would sniffle and and have runny nose and all of that, and I felt kind of, you know, sort of like you Superior. feel sort of proud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. You're just like, well, I'm, I must be doing something right. You know, I, I breastfed, I did not have an epidural with him. Um, I
0: don't give I birth don't know. To weak children who pick up colds.
1: <laughs> I just, you know, it's, and it's interesting because your perspective, it changes so much. Um, sure. but yeah, I, I felt really good about it, but you know, what's interesting as well is that I remember like probably a few months before his diagnosis, having this kind of just like odd feeling, um, that um, I remember thinking, God, he's so healthy. He's so, um, you know, like, it's like everything's just so good with him. So he just does so well. He's so strong. And and I remember thinking in my mind, like, God, what if something happened? Like he got some childhood illness or something. And I thought, oh, that's just my mind. You know, just put that somewhere else.
0: Do, do things um, like that happened to you. With any frequency or is that a, a one-time event?
1: It was kind of a one-time um, thought it and um, sort of put that aside. And, yeah. But I also do have, um, I have anxiety myself. Um, I also have PTSD. Um, so I have some things going on within myself. Um, so I do tend to worry (laughs) Mm -hmm. a lot. So that wasn't like totally out of the norm for me, but it was kind of odd. Like it, um, it's always stuck with me that I had that, that sort of feeling. Um, but then, so moving forward, um, you know, everything was going uh, relatively well with my second pregnancy and, um, you know, I'd gotten over the morning sickness and all of that. Um, I went through that with both of my babies. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're in the second trimester and getting into the third and feeling good. And, um, he got croup, um, kind of out of nowhere. And so, you know, that's in the respiratory. So he was really having a, um, a hard time breathing. I, I woke up in the middle of the night to him kind of gasping for for a breath. Um, And I ran into his room and I was able to like kind of soothe him and calm him down while I talked to the nurse. Um, Brought him to the doctors. They gave him medicine for that. Um, I think it was an oral steroid Mm -hmm. um, of some sort. Um, But anyway, so we took care of that and he seemed to be getting better, but I would say within about a month, um, I noticed weight loss, um, could not stop drinking water. Um, I remember at one point catching him in the bathroom, drinking out of the sink, um, and then excessive wetting the bed. Like, I mean, to the point where I would have to change the bed twice in one night. Mm. Um, so it was, and he's kind. He kind of had had that going on. He, I mean, he was three years old, <laughs> so it wasn't um, like really out of the ordinary to wet the bed. But this seemed to be, you know, s- this was like a lar- it was yeah. more of a um, red flag type.
0: Right. What did you? So, what did you do at that point?
1: So I, um, I remember just kind of like the dots started to you know or you know I was starting to sort of like connect these dots but I did not know anything about type 1 diabetes mm-hmm. um now I know that it is in the realm of autoimmune diseases which autoimmune diseases do run in my family really but I did yes but I had no idea what I knew there was different kinds of diabetes um my sister had a friend that was diagnosed at 17 that got very sick um, so I knew that he had the more serious, <laughs> in my mind, it was the more serious one. Um, even though they're both serious. Yeah. Um, and so I knew there was like one that was a bit more treatable and one that was, um, just like, you know, that was the more like, Whoa, steel Magnolias, you know? right um, I no, I understand well, I so I was like, it, you know, I, yeah. So I, I wasn't even going there cause I really knew nothing about diabetes. No one in my family has diabetes. Um, and in my f- husband's family, his father had type two, but it wasn't really talked about much. So nobody ever talked about what diabetes. the symptoms were. Yeah. Um, so we, I, uh, Uh, Sorry. I, I, you know, I'm talking to my husband and I remember talking to family members and people, you know, uh, around Griffin and just saying like, this is odd. I talked to my mom on the phone and, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned and, um, this just seems really weird. Like, why is he, you know, and also he was very, um, he was starting to get very like irritable those last days before the diagnosis, Mm -hmm. um, he was like, just not himself. And I was like losing my patience. Um, I remember at one point, uh, I had to stop and buy him new shorts at a store because we had gone to the park and he'd wet through everything in the, you know, there was standing, um, urine in his car seat, like when I took the car seat out. So it was, it was pretty overwhelming. Um, And so I talked to my dad the night before he was diagnosed and I remember saying like, these things are all really odd. And my dad, you know, is trying to make me feel better and everybody's trying to make me feel better. And they all know I worry a lot. So everybody's like, it's okay. He's just, you know, he's, um, you know, you're about to have a new baby and you know, there's all these things happening like, uh, you know,
0: whatever. So a bunch of stuff that doesn't really say why somebody yeah. would pee themselves over and over again and drink out of the yeah, faucet, and, and, like, yeah.
1: But, and exactly,
0: <laughs> but it, exactly. Makes you, it makes you feel better in the moment
1: yeah, yeah but i my gut inside like something i knew something was off so we go to the fair on saturday and we're going to try to make Griffin feel better and uh because we had gone to the fair the year before and he had so much fun so we're like this is going to be so fun um, we bring him to the fair. We figure that'll cheer him up. We get him ice cream, and you know, which, oh my God, God. hindsight, um, not a good, not a good call. Um, but we were trying to make him feel better, and uh, he just was extremely lethargic. Like couldn't even get out of the stroller. Um, his eyes were all red underneath. He was looking very. He just was not looking good. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I look back on the photos and stuff. And it's, you know, it's hard to look at them because I can see how sick he was. But at the time, you know, I've got a big baby bump and I've got a million things on my mind. And, but that is kind of running in the back of my mind is like, Hmm, what are these? And I'm trying to put the thing, you know, put the whatever together. Um, and so I finally just, you know, I said, mom, I think maybe because my my mother was there with us. I said, I think maybe this is a um, do you think maybe it's a kidney infection or a bladder infection? I don't know. Started you thinking know, about what it, it could be. Point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And my mom's like, I don't know. And I said, I'm gonna call the advice nurse right now. Like, cause I just, yeah. So I call the advice nurse standing in the middle of the fair. And I just, you know, I start saying these symptoms. And the advice nurse, um, their first response, you know, was, okay, well, let's, okay. These symptoms you have, let's, let's get him in here tomorrow. So this is on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. He said, let's get him in here on Sunday at 11 o'clock. Let's get him in here. Let's run some tests. Um, and that's okay. That does that sound good. And I just, right before we hung up, I go, I want to talk to an ER doctor. I want to please connect me to the emergency room department. I want to talk to someone else. So um, we got a, an ER doctor on the line and I was able to explain the symptoms
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that person they, sta- you know, that saved my son's life. Um, he immediately said, ma'am, we need you to get in the car, take all, you know, like just, you need to get in a car right now, have someone else drive. If you need to, you need to get your son to an emergency room immediately. Um, If he starts vomiting in the car, do this, this and this, you know, basically just like you got to go now. Right. Um, And I, I, all he said was, it sounds like it could be his blood sugar. And I don't know anything about that. So I, my first instinct was the movie steel Magnolias where she's shoving the straw in Julia Roberts mouth. So I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, does he need sugar? Is he, is he, is this low blood sugar? That's how little I knew.
2: Oh really? Yeah, okay. Um,
1: Yeah. So I'm like giving him more candy on the way to the hospital and he's literally like going in and out of it. Hmm. And, and I'm like, have the gummy bear, have the gummy bear because I, I, that's, this is why that's why I'm doing this podcast, wow. because I knew so little and because so many people know so little. Yeah. And, you know, if I can at least like reach one person, then I'm I'm happy with that.
0: Katie, I wish um, I was. I wish I was there at that moment, because what I would have said to you was, do you remember um, when uh, when Julia Roberts, that little movie called Pretty Woman? I would have yeah. said to you, "Do you really think uh, that that's how uh, most hookers' lives go?" And and I would, have, <laughs> and, and you would have said, "No, probably not." And I would have said, "Yeah, yeah, right, because movies are fake." And yeah, right, and, and and they're and maybe we should listen to them. I <laughs> know, I know. That's, I know. that's oh my god. So I have a ton of questions. Can can we wait a second? Let's let's put a pin in you <laughs> yeah. in the car. I am going to draw a picture of a car. And a, can- okay. and a candy wrapper, so I know where we're at. And uh, and and I want to go back and ask a number of different questions. So mm-hmm. uh, first, other autoimmune issues in your extended family. I'm ready. I failed. Ready? <clears throat> Here we go. Why are you using a blood glucose meter that sucks? Why do you have a junky, janky, not accurate meter in your pocket or your bag? Why is your kid walking around with a meter that you can't trust? Have you looked into what accurate is? Where you get it from? What brands are best? I know you haven't. It's okay. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help you. I'm here to move you in the direction of the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. You want easy to use, easy to carry, able to see at night, a screen that is visible, and accuracy. As a bonus with the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, you get second chance test strips, meaning if you should touch the blood and like, I don't know, fumble around or whatever happens, you get some blood on the strip, but not enough. You go back and get the rest without impacting the accuracy of the test strip or wasting one. Second chance test strips. So what are you getting with a Contour Next One blood glucose meter? You're getting something that is so carryable. Small enough to put it anywhere, but large enough that you can handle it well. A screen that you can view easily and a nice bright light for nighttime viewing. And if you want to connect it to the app, you can. And if you don't want to use their app, you don't have to. But the app's helpful. Keeps a bunch of your information in there. You'll figure it out. Contournext.com forward slash Head over there now. You can actually buy the supplies and the meter online for much less than you expect. There are links right on the website. And those links say, it's just—it's going to be hard for you to remember what it says. Buy now. It says buy now in case you want to buy it right now. You click on that, you're looking at links for Amazon, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Kroger, Meyer, Target, and Rite Aid. Just like that. Bing, bang, boom. You could probably have it done before I get done talking. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Get yourself an accurate meter, please. You're buying one anyway. You might as well get a good one. All right. You want a dosing calculator. You want to know how much active insulin is remaining. You want to be able to see your glucose history, reports, activity logs, dosing history, and a history of your meals. But you're using an insulin pen. So you think, well, I can't. I can't get that because I don't have a pump. But you can. You could get that with the in pen from Medtronic Diabetes. Because InPen is connected to an app that shows you all of those things, including your current glucose. Ah, now you're interested. You're like, how could that happen? Well, you should go over to InPenToday.com to find out more. Once you're ready to try, just fill out the, the sheet there. It's like name, address, phone number. Tell them, you know, a couple things. Hit submit. Boom. You're on your way. Then you get yourself an insulin pen that does more. InPen also has 24-hour technical support, hands-on product training, and an online educational resource. Did you know you may pay as little as $35 for an InPen? Well, that's true, because at Medtronic Diabetes, they don't want cost to be a roadblock to you getting the therapy that you need. So with the InPen Access Program, you may pay as little as $35. Offers available to people with commercial insurance, terms and conditions apply, of course, but it's very, very possible that this will be the case. So if you're looking for a lot of the convenience that comes with an insulin pump without having to have an insulin pump, you're looking for the InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. InPentoday.com to get started. InPen requires a prescription and settings from your healthcare provider. You must use proper settings and follow the instructions as directed, or you could experience high or low glucose levels. For your sa- Mother. for more safety information, visit InPentoday.com. I might just bleep that out. I just camp. I say this so much. How could I get that wrong? All right. Sorry. Back to Katie. If you're looking for ways to support the podcast, clicking on my links for the advertisers is huge. So there are links in the show notes of your podcast player, links at juiceboxpodcast.com, where you can just type into your browser the way I say it, like inpentoday.com. That's me, right? contournext.com forward slash juice box that allows them to know you came through me if you end up buying some test strips or a meter or anything else they know their advertising is reaching you through the podcast and that keeps the podcast plentiful and free for you so i appreciate it when you do that
1: yes my mom has rheumatoid arthritis Mm -hmm. um diagnosed uh Diagnosed, I think late thirties, early forties, but it didn't really kick in till like her fifties. Okay. And then, um, I have a sibling that, uh, has an autoimmune, um, condition as well. I would say it, but I don't know if she's comfortable with me saying it. That's fine. So, um, it's just kind of like, sure. yeah. Um, but so yeah, um, she's got an autoimmune condition. My mom has an autoimmune condition, Uh, And then um, my grandmother has uh, hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. And so does my aunt. And um, I believe my great grandmother had RA as well. Um, And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know anything on my dad's side. My dad was adopted, so I don't know his, um, like the blood history with him. My dad doesn't have anything autoimmune, so I'm thinking it comes more from my mom's side um, and more from my side. You know, whatever it's you know. I'm like, oh,
0: proud over. (laughs) Yeah, RA twice. Yeah, your your sisters that we're not going to say, and two hypothyroidisms. Do you have anything besides the anxiety?
1: Not that I know of, okay. um, not that I, not, not yet. Just, yeah, not that I know of, but just really, uh, yeah, a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of anxiety. I was in a car accident when I was in high school and I think that sparked up PTSD and anxiety. And, and then I went on that whole journey. Um,
0: <laughs> can I ask you prior to the car accident? Did you mm-hmm. ever feel that way?
1: No, no. not really. How old I were was you a then? very, I was 15.
0: Okay. Uh, and so when you, I don't know anything about PTSD, but is that a diagnosable thing? Is that something that a, yes. th- a therapist has said to you? You have PTSD.
1: Oh yes, yeah. yes,
0: and yeah. And how does that? How does that continue to impact your life?
1: Um, it impacts it all the time. Uh, triggers. There's certain things that just can trigger you—a smell, a song. Like, I mean, it could be. It could be anything really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like learning to identify what the triggers are, um, and how to, how to better react <laughs> to yes. the situations, um, which, you know, it's hard because over the years, other things have happened like Griffin's diagnosis that definitely, um, Piled I on. think there was some serious PTSD after that. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, being pregnant and the hormones and everything, and then to already have an underlying anxiety, um, and then have, you know, this, you know, it, I mean, when it happened and we got to the ER and, you know, he goes, we have a problem, a big problem. Um, your son's diabetic. I just remember the whole freak, the whole world just crashed down. Mm-hmm. Um, in that moment, and everything just started going in slow motion, and then there was doctors everywhere and people everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a really high blood sugar; it was nine
0: nine sixty. Do you manage your anxiety with any medication or other things? Anything?
1: Um, so I do take medication. Right. Um, I've I've kind of been on and off of it throughout my twenties, um, and thirties. I didn't take any medication when I was um, pregnant with my children. Mm I, you know, wanted to be all natural during that time. And, and I've tried to, um, you know, I've tried to, I've tried not taking medication. I've kind of done both, but um, it's uh, yeah. Um, You know, it's really about finding like the right medication that is, you know, that you should, you should or shouldn't be taking. Um, and working with the right, uh, doctor and psychiatrist and therapist. Um, and that was, you know, that's a journey that took a long time to, to kind of figure out. And, um, but I, I work with some really amazing people and I think that that, um, that helps a lot.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Now you said, you said you thought that, um, Griffin had anxiety as well. When did that pop up for him?
1: Um, I have noticed it really more so in the past, I would say four years. So four years ago, um, my husband's father, uh, passed away of a heart attack. It was sudden. It was fast. Mm -hmm. Um, and Griffin was there when my husband got the news and that was quite traumatic. Um, you know, seeing your dad get that news on the phone, um, and, uh, and then the next year, our beautiful dog that we've had for 10 and a half years, Marley, Australian shepherd, uh, she got, she got, she had an issue with her ACL. We bring her to the vet. The vet says she's got cancer everywhere. Mm. And it within two weeks. She was, she passed away. Yeah. And she was like the, the dog that we took everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that was like the heart and soul of our family and, and my father-in-law. Um, so those two uh, sudden losses were also really big. And then his school closed and then the pandemic happened and the California wildfires, just all this stuff. Yeah. And I think all of that has uh, definitely contributed a lot to kicking into um, anxiety. So I see it because I have it. I think I'm able to see more In- Um in him
0: in present day. How does that impact him day to day? When you say you see it, what do you see?
1: Um, well, he, we're working with a neurologist right now at UCSF. Um, because, uh, he's kind of developed a bit of a tick. So, um, he has little ticks with his hands. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, he's a brilliant, brilliant artist. He's been making art, since he could literally pick up a crayon, um, or start making little sculptures and things. And he just loves to do art. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's frustrating for him because when he does art, he ticks a lot. And I think I, you know, I think it's part of It's like that he's hyper-focused. Um, and, uh, so he gets frustrated. He's like, mom, why do I, I have to tick so much when I, when I'm doing this, um, But yeah, we, the way the neurologist is approaching it is, um, to try to start with the anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, and, and go from there because really at the root typically is anxiety. Um, so, you know, we're trying to go from there. So she hasn't given him a, a formal diagnosis, but she's seen it. And so she's, you know, seen it in person um and she, uh, you know, she agrees that it, um, it, is, it seems like it, it very well could be a tic disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, but until we really like treat the anxiety more, um, you know, it, it could be something that'll get better as he gets older.
0: Can I ask you if you ask him about it? Like, does he have like a conscious idea that he feels anxious?
1: Um yeah he he has yes he has told me he has anxiety he
0: worries about things or feels Mm -hmm. pressure about stuff okay all right i understand okay well what a fun detour katie now let's (laughs) let's (laughs) let's go back
1: everything everything was like going really well too like be right before he was diagnosed it was like we were like on the upswing <laughs> yeah. it was like
0: let me let me tell you that um just a couple of weeks before arden was diagnosed um we had just had this big birthday party for arden we had bought a house mm-hmm. in the last uh two years our son was that's awesome yeah, our son was going away to you know kindergarten and oh, we had so this exciting. new baby we had enough money to rent a pony for Arden's party to walk around in the backyard. Oh
1: my God. I love it. Yeah,
0: like we felt like we were doing something, you know, and, um, and I, I had the same feelings as you did, you know, like everything was just exactly the way I expected it to be. And and was moving mm-hmm. in exactly the direction I had intended. And that Kelly didn't. Yeah.
1: Like full steam ahead. Yeah.
0: And then, <laughs> uh, I was just like, Oh, wait a minute. And then all of this just happened. Um, it's, uh, it is definitely shocking. That that's for certain. So you're in the hospital, he's diagnosed, obviously. He's in DKA, I'm guessing. And um and then it's uh well geez, it's three and a half years ago, right? So
1: Um so well he was three and a half when he was diagnosed.
0: Six six and a half years ago, excuse me.
1: Seven years this July.
0: Okay. And so you leave with some reasonable year, I imagine. Um
1: so we go to the hospital, we're there for five days. Um and uh, you know, learning how to take care of our son. There's people coming in and out of the hospital room all sure. day. Were you in the hospital for more than a day with arden Five, five days, yeah. Yeah. We had, yeah, it was five days, children's hospital. And by the way, Oakland Children's Hospital was amazing. Mm. I mean, the nurses in there like They were like angels, Um, but you know how it is in in the children's hospital. You got people coming in and out of that room all day long, so you're exhausted. um, You're not sleeping, and you know you're on your phone googling what this is. What is this? You know the you know the doctors are telling you. um, You know I remember when they right before they transferred him over to the Oakland Children's Hospital. they said we're going to have to, first they were going to, um, take him on an air flight. They were going to life flight them over. Um, but then they were able to stabilize them enough that they go, okay, we think we can just bring him in the ambulance. I'm like, Oh, hmm. you think, you know, um, you know, and the doctor in the ER is going, well, we worry about things like brain swelling and, you know, and I'm just, your head is spinning. Yeah. I mean, at least I, I know for me it was, um, my husband went into kind of the got to fix it mode, you know? Mm, we're so good at that. Yeah. <laughs> right off the bat. Um, and I went into the just heartbroken mode <laughs> pretty quickly. Right. Um, so I would say it like sort of like hit me first at and wh- it kind of like hit him later.
0: At what point did you think I had this thought earlier? Like, I I thought something, because I'm just trying to mix your anxiety with the thought earlier that Mm -hmm. something, everything was going too well, which, by the way, I do think is, um, is that OCD? Or there's something about the expected. Do you know what I mean? Well,
1: I, it's funny. So I, um, I've always been under a condition that I have OCD. Um, But I'm actually working with a trauma therapist. um, And... (laughs) She, we're uncovering the whole PTSD thing. And she basically is explaining it to me that um, OCD, anxiety, depression, like all these things can kind of fall under the umbrella of PTSD. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, she's like, I'm not fully convinced that you hundred percent have OCD. Although I don't know, because I I'm pretty sure my grandmother, well, actually, I mean, let's be honest. My grandmother, she's undiagnosed. I think she's also undiagnosed. Um, some other mental illness as well, like maybe bipolar or borderline personality. I don't know exactly. Um, okay. She never got care, but she had. She did things that were not. <laughs> she did things that were like textbook um, OCD.
0: Yeah. So, I, so there's this idea yeah. in in OCD. There's and I my understanding of it's going to be limited, but there's this magical thinking concept that your thoughts make things happen. And so that's why I was wondering if you're, mm-hmm. la- you're laughing, am I, am I getting to something now? <laughs> <Do> you-
1: <laughs> no, no. Yeah. It's that's you're right on.
0: Okay. All right. So then the way it then burdens people is that they try to have these, these good thoughts, like thinking the right thing. So that the right things happen. I was just wondering if you know, because you had a, an idea prior when your kids were little and everything, when Griffin was little and everything was going so well, and you actually mm-hmm. thought, this is going so well, something bad's going to happen. When something bad happened, did you think that you made it happen with your thoughts? No. Good. All
1: right. <laughs> I was able to like differentiate. Katie, good two. job. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily I started going to I put my butt in therapy in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> cuz I I realized um I realized after I had my first child um and went through some postpartum um anxiety. So, I know it's like there's postpartum depression. Um but there's also something called postpartum anxiety. People don't talk about it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it, it's really easy for everyone to go, oh, she had a postpartum depression. It's you know, I was not thinking about harming my children, any of that. And there's nothing wrong with postpartum depression. It's but that's not very what serious. Too. Yeah. Um, but that's that wasn't it. I was more like I was highly anxious all day, every day, like so worried I was gonna just like I was going to mess this up somehow, this perfect porcelain, you know, little angel Mm -hmm. um, that I was going to somehow screw this up. So, um, you know, that's when I really went in and got the, the anxiety diagnosis, panic disorder, like, because I was, I was experiencing like full blown panic attacks at that point. So um, I went in and got, got support, um, which I'm really grateful that I knew enough to know I don't want to, I think part of it was seeing my grandmother I was and gonna seeing say, how
0: I'm dying to know what your grandmother did. I figured she shot like a, like a porno in the mall or something like that when she was, uh, no, or, or she's
1: <laughs> high. So she's hot. Um, my mom's from Michigan. My grandmother is extremely like highly religious, but to the point where it's not, it's definitely not normal. Okay. Um, she's like, Catholicism is everything. And like she would write us letters when we were little and, you know, tell us we needed to be nuns and priests and, um, you know, and then when, when we became of age, um, you know, where we were, you know, dating and getting married and, you know, she would send letters, you know, telling us that we need to be, you know, you must wait for marriage and you must do this and you must do that. Just very inappropriate grandmother talk. Well,
0: it's kind of uh, her magical thinking, right? She the, she thinks that the, the universe has rules and if she doesn't follow them, yeah, she'll, be judged. Exactly. she'll be judged poorly. And part of that following it is making sure that everyone she has sway over um, gets told what she knows is true. Yes. Where she'll yes. be judged for not telling you. I get the whole thing. Okay, I got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I she's worried she's gonna go to hell.
0: Your, your grandmother so. your grandmother's um uh way of being was so off-putting to you that you put yourself into therapy because you're like <laughs> I'm related um, to her. Is that well
1: <laughs> I I think I just saw like how unwrapped like just just how abnormal her behavior was and that, you know, she would write excessive letters to my mom and mm-hmm. to all of us and just always pushing religion and, um,
0: For clarity, you're you not know. just talking about like she's religious or believes very firmly. You're talking about something that, that seemed over and above. And Oh,
1: way, yeah. way okay. right. over and above. I know people yeah. that are very religious and, Don't make you feel like no, you're right this- on phone. Okay. Yeah, no, this was this was on a a level where the red flag came out, you know, as a child, I remember thinking, she's a bit different, you know, (laughs) (laughs) she's a little different. Um, Yeah, I had an outdoor wedding. And like, my grandmother wrote me countless letters telling me that it was an abomination. And, you know,
0: just to be outside, get married.
1: Yeah, because yeah. it wasn't in the church. That
0: makes sense to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you were little, your mom let these letters get to you.
1: Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, um, I would have. I don't think. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. Right? <laughs> right. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you live and you learn, you know, and and I don't blame my mom. No, my right. mom is she's amazing, and you know, it couldn't have been easy having having a controlling mother
0: like that. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. Ooh, this is um. May I say, I uh, this phrase means so much to me anymore. I'm just going to write down. Uh, I've been. It's just 34:43. First time Scott says this is quite a sh- show. Um, <laughs>
1: oh my goodness no don't be fooled though like i have i I have so many wonderful things in my life i'm sure we'll get to
0: them but first how did you trick that husband into marrying you did you keep all this a secret or was he in on this
1: (laughs) well he definitely has his um he you know you
0: You found a puppy with one weird eye too and you were like hold on a second (laughs) he'll accept my crap
1: (laughs) he comes from um he comes from a different upbringing where nobody talks about things. It's more quiet. Um, things are under the surface. Um, and he definitely, there's definitely mental illness in his family as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and very much like some of, some, some of them undiagnosed, um, you know, I wish they were diagnosed. (laughs) Um, but, yeah, so there's definitely stuff, uh, skeletons in that closet, too. Um, so, yeah, I'm so happy both. I
0: started a podcast. This is, like, talking to you is going to be the best part of my day. Um, because <laughs> because I just think that, you know, you talked about his family, nothing gets said, etc. In your family, way too much got said. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah. but in, in my family, specifically, Kelly's quieter and more to herself because she grew up sort of Catholic and like we'll just you know pretend things are okay. And mm-hmm. um, I'm obvious. I think this should be obvious to people listening. I'm uh, excessively happy to talk about anything constantly. Uh-huh. I, I just think yeah, more, like let's
1: let's put it all on the table. Yeah, yeah,
0: let's just keep pushing out till there's nothing to hide, and and, <laughs> and, and then we'll see what happens. Right? You know? I mean, I,
1: well, yeah. I think when you're around like i know when i'm around my husband's family um you know there's been a lot of times where it's just it's so quiet it's like a need like you could hear like a pin drop on the ground Mm -hmm. um and i just wanna i just wanna go okay can we all just like let's get the elephant out of the room like okay you know (laughs)
2: this person
1: doesn't like that person and that person does you know it's just like come on like i don't know i just have gotten to a point where I just um, I'm just right. Re- I wanna address things in my life. I don't I don't want to skirt around um, yeah. the obvious. I, I find kind of,
0: so wasted time is a pet peeve of mine. I don't like wasting time. It makes me right? like really upset. And um, it's just, I know, I look at myself in the mirror, there's no way I'm one of those people who's going to make it to 87. You you know what I mean? Like, I need to live, right? (laughs) So I don't like wasting time. I don't like wasting other people's time. I don't like other people wasting my time. But more importantly, if you want to know what makes me mental, it's when you know something and I know something. I know that you know it and you know that I know it. And yet we pretend that nobody's aware of it. That yep. makes me want to just strangle somebody. <laughs> so No, uh, I, yeah, y- yeah,
1: it's, and that's one I really struggle with, um, with, yeah, just certain people in my life. Are you that paying your water just, bill while
0: we're doing this? What are you doing over there?
1: Oh, sorry, I was like, stacking, I was like, you know, when you take papers and you like you make them all like in one. Never mind.
0: No. Um. No, I don't, Katie, because <laughs> I don't have whatever you have. So I'm not sure what that
1: is. <laughs> it's a stack. But it's, I bet like your, my desk,
0: little- your, your desk looks better than mine. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am at my desk. <laughs> I bet yours is nice and clean compared to mine. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh-oh. Yeah,
2: <laughs> this thing's not of. even, it's
0: not even helping you keep your desk clean. What a waste. <laughs> I mean, that's the worst kind of anxiety. At least put it like sick it on the house. You know what I mean? Or something. Uh, wouldn't it be great? <laughs> I'm if going
1: it... through a tunnel right now. Okay.
0: <laughs> and, and stacking paper. Uh, so, um, all right. So, so Griffin's diagnosed and, you know, let's talk about diabetes for a little bit, just you know, because mm-hmm. the diabetes podcast, and maybe somebody's interested. Um, How did you find management of this thing when you had this anxiety going? Was it and and a new baby, right?
1: Yes. So, yeah. um sorry, his Dexcom keeps uh keeps alerting me. That's My right. husband's
0: doing he's a hard, on it. Is he, or do we need to yell at him? Yeah. No. No. Oh, no. Okay. No.
1: Right. He's. Yeah. I asked him to, um, make sure to, to be in contact with the school nurse. Um, so are you able uh, not to
0: look at it knowing that your husband is looking at it or is that too much?
1: Uh, typically no. Like I typically, I want to look at it, but I saw it before and like, I know that he's doing, paying attention to it. So I know it probably, he's probably already had his correction, but it probably just hasn't come down all the way. You're now to making where we want me. You're now
0: making me think that I haven't seen Arden's blood sugar in hours, and you you made me want to go look at it. So I <laughs> just popped it open here. One eleven. There's a little weird drop, and now it's. I'm gonna guess she ate something. She did. I don't know what, but she ate a little something. Okay. Uh, yeah. I just <laughs> I recognize that I hadn't seen Arden's blood sugar in a very long time. Just now, when you said that, mm-hmm. and so for me, um, not that this might break through your thing but i i just set the alarms at places where i know it won't get too out of hand before my mm-hmm. alarm and that way if i don't hear the alarm i know we're in that range and that keeps me from thinking about it but right yeah that's
1: a really yeah. good idea
0: yeah so just if it does so if like my phone's at 120 and 70 and mm-hmm. if i don't hear a beep i never i never think about diabetes I just let it, I let it ride in there somewhere between 70 and 120. Um, I mean, you have to be able to do that first, obviously, but uh, the idea, Mm -hmm. the idea there is the idea there is that if your alarm's at 180 or 200, you're always wondering if you're on your way to 180 or 200 Mm -hmm. instead of just, you know, anyway.
1: Yeah, no, it it totally makes sense. Yeah.
0: If it works, feel free to use it. (laughs) So. <laughs> yeah, totally but, but, i've
1: gotten i've gotten a lot of great um information from listening to to your episodes i haven't listened to all of them but i've listened to quite a few of them um and it, it has helped
0: a lot oh well, i'm very glad i i always um i used to worry in the beginning because there was this kind of section of vocal people online who would say that you can't talk about doing something and talk about how it's going well. Because for people who it is not going well for, you'll make them feel badly. But I never believed that. I always thought mm-hmm. that um, that modeling was important. And so, mm-hmm. and so I'm glad to hear that you've enjoyed it. That's excellent.
1: No, I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so when we got, um, you know, we get home from the hospital and they give us these giant bags of supplies and we leave the hospital. And um, I was definitely in a really... Um, tough place at that time. Um, I just remember like the sky looked darker, everything it was just like the world, just our whole world looked different. Everything was flipped upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, like, yeah, I remember being in the hospital and they're going, okay, like, so you're going to have to do your first shot today. You know, and it's like first of how many thousand, like, it's just, Oh, cause I tend to be, um, You know, I, I was, I would kind of look at the big picture and I'm like, once I started to learn about what this disease is and what the, you know, the, the prognosis and just all of it, like the complications that can happen, everything, I really just was, you know, I was in a state of just complete anxiety. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, like, is he going to have complications by the time, you know? what's going to happen, you know? And I'm thinking 20 years down the road, I'm thinking five years down the road. I'm thinking, you know, all of that. My husband's more of the, um, you know, he's thinking like, let's just get through today, Mm -hmm. which I admire that about him.
0: I have a question for you. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. are you an artistic person?
1: Um, I, I am a bit, Mm -hmm. um, I tend to be drawn to artistic people. My husband is artistic. My son is an artist.
0: Right? So, Do you want to know why I asked? Why? Because you are inclined to write a story about everything, like in your mind. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't know if I'm – so far. By the way, I've known you for 44 minutes and 11 seconds, mm-hmm. so I can be yeah. 100% wrong, and I have no medical or um, – <laughs> you know, mental health training whatsoever. I just have a podcast, but it's, it, I do recognize a little bit of uh, myself in you, which is if, really? if I gave over to my bigger flowerier, more flowery, um, you know, or melancholy thoughts, I can go in those directions if I want to. And, but I okay. know, I know how to stop myself from going in those directions but mm-hmm. but it seems that when these things happen around you, you're kind of like vortex sucked into them, like this, mm-hmm. you know, like the you you just, the way you described the a car accident, the way you described being in the um hospital room, you know, it wasn't it, like it's almost like your <clears> life's <throat> a movie, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, or or you see it that way, I guess one or the other. I'm not I'm not certain so far. I I'm only forty five minutes into <laughs> this, but I'm, I'm I'm trying to get to it. <laughs> And, yeah.
1: And no, I you're right on. Yeah. You're right on.
0: I, I, I've told this story on the podcast before, so I'll tell it really quickly. I was, I don't know, eight, nine years old walking to school one day, and I had recently heard that if you step on the crack, you will break your mother's back. Uh this <laughs> this had been uh ballied about between the children and uh um, I remember
1: hearing that too mm-hmm. on my way home from school.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. So uh I'm walking to school one day, and then of course, if you've ever seen a sidewalk, there's a crack in the sidewalk about every four or five feet. And then I realized that I I I saw myself. I'm like, I'm now not stepping on the crack. And I and I did think, well, that's silly. This isn't real. And mm-hmm. the more I walked, the more I avoided it. And then I stopped myself and I was like, I am not giving into this crap, whatever this is. And then Mm -hmm. I purposefully stepped on all the cracks and then (laughs) came home. My mom's back was intact and I, uh, never thought about it again, but I felt it in that moment. Like I could give over to this little bit of weirdness and fall Mm -hmm. and fall into it like a warm bath. Um, and instead I just kind of decided to go the other way. Do you ever feel it coming on when you're,
1: that's kind of that's definitely something that um you know that's that's a journey in my life that is is constantly you know trying to target w- when the, those things are coming on
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um but it's hard you know at times you're so wrapped up in in the way you feel that it's hard to always see the storm ahead yeah. i guess you would say um so you know sometimes you kind of feel like you're navigating blindfolded a bit but um, but I do through going to therapy and through kind of like working on myself. Um, I definitely feel like I have more of the tools to recognize things, um, before they happen or, or recognize things after they happen and look back and, and go, okay, that's how that happens. You know,
0: is it as if you have too many feelings?
1: Probably. Yeah. I remember when I was, um, When I'm a March baby, so I'm a Pisces, which tend to be on the more like um, sense. I don't know if you'd say. I don't like the word sensitive because it's. I feel like it's saying that I'm. (laughs) Like oh, she's sensitive. Are
0: you you sensitive to people using the word sensitive because you don't because you don't think you're that sensitive.
1: I just okay here's why that <laughs> hold on
0: you're gonna is. need to give me a second that was amazing <laughs> 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 you're like i am sensitive to when people call me sensitive because i am not sensitive <laughs> no, no, no no i know that's not I what you're saying go ahead go yeah ahead. I'm sorry. no
1: like i i kind of yeah no you're kind of right mm-hmm. but kind of um yeah i uh no i for sure like always had my feelings big heart like i remember when i was little my mom just saying you have really big feelings mm-hmm. um and I remember, I don't remember like I would just remember how that felt when she said that. So yeah, I've always been like I would say definitely like super in touch with my feelings. How did it um, feel, how did
0: it feel when she said that?
1: It almost kind of felt like a compliment to me. Yeah. So when my mom said that, and she said, "It looks like there's a light bulb in your head," because um, <laughs> I had super blonde hair, so <laughs> I don't know. I felt like it was a compliment. Like you, you feel things. Oh, I you would really, t- really.
0: Yeah, I would take it that way as well. I just – I don't know why I – there's a throttle or a limiter on me. Like I know mm-hmm. I know when I'm like, oh, God, like this is going too far the other way. And I can put a stop to it pretty quickly. That's because you're super
1: lucky. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, I,
0: I imagine that really is all it is. Like, is There are times people contact totally. me and they're like, how did you do that episode with this person telling mm-hmm. this story or that story? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, they're right there. They're okay. And even if they aren't, they want to share this. It's, you know, it's their – I'm I'm respecting their their desire to share this story. Like it just seems like somebody needs to be there to you know shepherd it through to the end. And it is sad sometimes, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like there is an ability to be dispassionate, but not yeah. You know, I could go either way. I don't think I could get so dispassionate that I didn't care, but I could care so much that I wouldn't be able to. Um, I could lose myself, I guess. If I if I totally I allowed myself to. Anyway, I'm sorry. This is. Interesting. no, for sure. Interesting.
1: Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm definitely, I guess you could qualify as, um, sensitive, mm-hmm. but as far as like strength, I feel like I'm pretty, pretty strong. Um, I've been through the, some really low lows and I've been just had some really high highs. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been. At, where I feel like I'm drowning. And that's when we came home from the hospital, that's what I remember telling my mom, um, because I was, I was very depressed and just trying to get through hour to hour, you know, we're writing all the food and we're weighing stuff and we're doing, and really just living hour to hour. Mm -hmm. Um, and I still had the baby. I was, you know, 30 weeks pregnant. Um, and I wasn't sleeping, I was just worried sick, big dark circles under my eyes. Um, I didn't have the best support around me. Um, my husband and my mother were like my lifeline. Um, and although some other family members, they definitely had good intentions and um I, you know, I appreciate all the good intentions that people had. Um but there was definitely certain family members that were not um helpful at all mm-hmm. um and kind of were the exact opposite and were very judgmental and very um you know just when are you going to snap out of this they blame when are you going to snap or- yeah 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 when are you going to snap out of it oh and then then i found a um My mom, you know, I'm talking to my mom. I go, I think I need to find a support group or I need to find someone to talk to. I I said, I just want to talk to another parent that knows how this feels. Mm -hmm. And so I found a support group where I live um, by really pushing (laughs) the doctors and just like I had to self-advocate, advocate, advocate. advocate. I can't like stress that enough to people. If you feel like something's not right with your loved one or with yourself, Advocate, like you have to, because no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky enough to find this amazing group of, of families um, that all had kids with type 1 diabetes, whether they were my son's age or now in college. Um, all of these parents, just meeting them changed my life. That I remember one of the moms. Um, I talked to her on the phone. This was probably two weeks after his diagnosis. And she goes, "I w- do you want to just come over and have coffee and meet with some of us moms? Like no judgment, just come over. We know you're in a really hard place right now. Mm-hmm. I went over that day and um, we sat at a table and just all told our story and passed around the Kleenex box. And um, they literally came into my life like Angels like it made me believe in angels. One of the moms brought flowers she had picked from her garden and handed them to me another mom had like baked muffins. it was just I was overwhelmed yeah. with um, with the love that I was getting because I was really in such a deep state of depression and these people around me that were not being helpful um, were actually making it worse. So um meeting those people and getting into a support group, it literally like I mean it quite literally changed my life. I
0: think empathy and
1: pulled me out.
0: I'm glad. I think empathy from a person who actually has your perspective is Mm -hmm. so much more enveloping than even just you know empathy from a a well-meaning person. You know. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, There is a family member um, that, you know, just would have things to say, like, you know, when uh, when are you going to snap out of it? Have you met your new, I come back from the support group meeting. Have you met your new best friends now?
2: Hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) At one point, I'm sitting outside on my patio, just, and I'm in tears talking to my dad, like, how am I going to do this? I, you know, I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm scared. Like, what's going to happen to him? you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this family member is, is inside just like rolling their eyes at me. And My mom actually like caught it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was like, this person needs to not be around you right now. Um, so yeah. it was just, it was honestly, it was really challenging, um, dealing with the component of People in our family with their own mental illnesses (laughs) Mm -hmm. that they're probably not taking care of, um, that were, it was, it it actually aggravated, um, my journey and my, my like kind of wellness in the situation. And when that happens, you really need to be able to be strong and be there and present for your child. Mm -hmm. And it's incredibly hard to do that when you have people around you that, um,
0: are not well themselves. Were you able and to put distance between them and you?
1: I had to start doing that. Yeah. Um, so my husband and I, you know, really started to um, back off and, you know, be, we started to be, because once I, you know, would talk to therapy, you know, they're, they would be saying you know you got it. exactly distance like you can't if someone is making you you know like they're saying these kind of things to you like that's not okay like you need to not have that around you because that's yeah and they're like don't apologize for it don't feel bad because that's me i'm a chronic apologizer yeah
0: so well, i am like, actually i want to i want to bring people together Katie we talked about that before we started um Talking that you you said I'm a chronic apologize you've only done it once in the fifty six minutes so I think she's wow. keeping it. I'm working sheet, on it. So good job. <laughs> I thought oh she's going to do it a bunch. Here's what I thought if I'm being honest you'll do yeah. it a whole bunch. And I could tease you about it later, but then you didn't do it. So <laughs> and I know teasing someone who has anxiety about their desire to apologize all the time is probably not correct. <laughs> but we're having a fun <laughs> con- we're having a fun conversation. I actually have to tell you. Um, As you're talking and in other episodes, I'm really proud of the way that the podcast handles um, people's really serious problems. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You know, I think that if you came on here and started talking about all the things that had gone wrong or are currently going wrong or that you're struggling with, etc., and that it was just a funeral dirge, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, that's horrible!" Okay, you know, like, and we—I—I I don't know. It would be—it would be unlistenable, and no one mm-hmm. would, would be able to learn anything about it. So, right? Um, I just—I don't know. I love it. I love that you're touching that paper still. I'm dying to know what you're doing over there.
1: Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Okay, yeah, that's totally like a maybe. I have my own take. <laughs> maybe i'm i'm so used to holding like i have this planner and then i i always have to write everything down because my memory is so shot Mm -hmm. um so i write everything down i'm like i gotta write down you know okay i i gotta do this i gotta do that i'm gonna okay take the laundry out like whatever it's all written down for me
0: katie i think you're a lot of fun i think i'd like to date you for six months that'd be enough but i think (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh my god. But I think for those
0: six months we'd have a great time. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> yeah, totally. And then it just be done. You know, done. You're like, eh, that's enough. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> well, what are um you know, <laughs> what are what are your moving forward plans like? And and do those plans ever work out? Or are you constantly in a state of working on something, or do you have goals? How does that all look?
1: Absolutely. Um, so after that all happened and I found um, the support group that was incredibly helpful,
0: yeah.
1: um, I really started finding the resources I needed and found out about um, the Diabetes Youth Foundation. Um, we took our son in 2017. We took him to Bearskin Meadows for a week, um, which is a really amazing um, diabetes camp here in California. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that and that was like total game changer, um, just meeting all those families. And uh, I mean, it's like for one week you go into a world where you're, you're like everyone else, you know, and there's like an insulin line in the morning and there's endocrinologists and nurses and. It's
0: really awesome. This happens outside. Um, Would Jesus be okay with it not happening in a church? uh,
1: (laughs) I think Jesus would definitely be okay. If we asked your grandmother. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, the thing about that religion thing, that's it's always kind of boggled my mind about that is that my grandma thinks that if you don't go into church, you're not religious. And I've tried to argue my point with her a long time ago, but I stopped. mm -hmm. I realized a long time ago, there was no point. But I tried, you know, just saying, hey, grandma, like, for me, like, when I'm hiking, I, like, that's my religion. When I'm listening to my favorite music, when I'm, like, I pray all the time. You do not have to go inside of a building to be spiritual and to to have faith. Right. You know, you can have faith in an elevator. Sure. You can, whatever. So, that's what I've learned. It's um, an old Aerosmith
0: I, song, isn't it? Faith in an elevator? number. No, no.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there's some cheesy lines. It's, it's, it's,
0: it's love in an elevator. I, was just, I know. I, was I feel scared.
1: like I should write a book with like just quotes,
0: like just super cheesy quotes. Oh, I, I I'd i prefer if you made a movie about your grandmother, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. My grandmother used to
1: drive. Crazy. Like when we would go to Michigan, she would take us to garage sales. Cause she loved garage sales. And I just remember being in the back of the car and like holding on to the door so tight because she would drive like erratic, kind of, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. Well, you don't have to pay attention when God's on your side. He does it all for you. Yeah, fantastic. God's
1: right there. Yeah. I,
0: I love you. I would, I would. Sit and I would watch video of your grandmother writing those letters <laughs> as long as I, I could.
1: would. I mean, she's she's pretty entertaining, yeah. As long she as really I could is. see the
0: words as she was putting them down, I'd be endlessly fascinated with those letters. Um, all right, so you, so you, I'm sorry, you met people. I'm sorry, I'm this is my fault now. You, um, you met people, you uh headed off to uh the Diabetes Youth Foundation, went away for a little bit, found that kind of centering. Um, how, how we, and
1: then I and then I hiked top down a week later. So that was uh, Half Dome's in Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Um, I've and seen it in person.
0: Yeah, it's yeah.
1: stunning, isn't it? it is. I remember the first time I saw it. I was like, I'm going to hike up to the top of that thing, and I did. Wow! And um, it was amazing. I did it with my sister, um, and uh, it was just really awesome to like show myself that I could do that. Um, and it was really cool to see like people from all <laughs> different part of walks of life, like people in their seventies, there was a guy that had his like 11 year old son with him. There was, it was just kind of like just so many different walks of life doing that. Um, but yeah, that was that those two weeks were just like such a healing experience. Um, and then, you know, just I really started to get a lot better and feel a lot better. And um you know, just knowing what my boundaries were with people and, um, just focusing on, you know, just Griffin and just, I'm so proud of him. He, he is amazing. And he, he, I feel like could really tell a story someday too. He's really good at, um, at like communicating with people Mm-hmm. What, like the nurse, I've had the nurse, the principal, I've had numerous people like at school tell me like, your son's really good at like communication. Like he's really good at like, at telling us what needs to happen, like with his blood sugar, with his, um, with his diabetes or his care or how he's feeling.
2: Right.
1: And, um, I don't know. I hope that like maybe seeing me kind of do that a little bit, maybe hopefully wore off a little bit.
2: Yeah.
0: No, um, that's, I don't a know. Great, that's a great uh, skill to have, just being able to articulate yourself and not being afraid to say it, too. Um,
1: yeah, you know what I mean? that's a big one, like yeah. in front of his class and stuff. I started from kindergarten. Like I went up in front of
0: his class and just
1: go, hey, like, hi, I'm Griffin's mom. Everyone knows me. Griffin's mom. Um, you know, you're going to see me pop in and out. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's, Griffin's got little gadgets. He calls them his robot arms. Mm -hmm. I felt like if you just get it out of the way, like it's like, it takes the tension out of it.
0: Yeah. That's how I did it for the first couple of years when she was little, we basically show up on the first day and just real quick, tell the kids, this is Arden. Arden's just like you. Uh, Arden does this thing on her, gives her insulin. You know, um, she might leave the room once in a while or go to the nurse's Mm -hmm. office, to do some stuff. And then she'll be back. She's okay. You don't need to Mm -hmm. do anything. Don't worry. It's not scary. You know, she'd whip out her thing and check her blood sugar in front of everybody right away. First day, like every once in a while, you're going to see her do this. She did that. There's no big deal there. Nothing to worry about. It's all very normal. And then it just became what you said. You know, you got what you expected. You know, you let you laid those expectations out for those kids and they just they followed right along with it. So I didn't do it for. I mean, uh, trying to think. I, I don't think I did it much past third grade, maybe. And then she would just do it herself the first couple of years mm-hmm. after that. And then it just fell by the wayside. And everybody just knew her at that point. It didn't matter.
1: Yeah. I really noticed that when I kind of took the lead with that, that Griffin kind of just fell right into that and was more um, <clears throat> like just proud and like, hey, this is who I am. Like, this is what I, you know, he's very much just like, this is what it is.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think that that confidence is so important and um i think he's he's very lucky to have that confidence cuz i i just know that like not everyone has that and um you know i've seen people with with conditions where it's a lot more private and not talked about and um that can be really difficult yeah
0: no, um, I don't think to hold to
1: hold it all inside you know
0: yeah I, I don't think we should be hiding anything. I don't think people should be forcing us to hide anything. So, um, I, I'm I'm down with that very much. So, hey, uh, I'm so sorry, Kate. Like, I'm going to run out of time just because I have to go out with my wife this afternoon and do some like adult things. Um, but I want to make sure that <laughs> we've gotten to everything that you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to leave you feeling incomplete. Totally.
1: Um, I think just the main thing for me um is just anybody listening to this um if you're a new parent on the scene or maybe you're a sibling of maybe you know maybe your brother's son just got type one or maybe your daughter-in-law or your son-in-law whatever it might be um, do some research. Like, don't be afraid to do your research, maybe read up on it, read up on how you can help, what you can do. Um, be active in the, in the kid's life, the kid that has T1, be active in their life. Like, don't, don't go away and stay away. I've seen family members do that where they, they kind of just really back off. And I don't know if it's because they're, you know, uncomfortable with it or maybe they're scared of it themselves Hmm. um but be around the family you know and and just learn what you can and be helpful and and talk about it it's okay to talk about it doesn't need to be this um secret you know thing that you know people don't don't talk about and um my Instagram handle is Griff's Mama One. Oh. Um, anybody, if they want to um, go on there and check out my page, I don't. I I somewhat um, post about type one, but also just my life and my hiking adventures and my just all the things I do for fun and
0: spell the um, Instagram handle G R I F F F S M
1: A M A.
0: M-A-M-A. one i see you yeah there's other griff's mama got there before you
1: griff's mama one
0: yeah. at yeah i'm saying there's AOL. that a griffs-
1: or there's i it. i almost said it aol sorry <laughs> at <laughs> aol.com
0: and it's 1982 <laughs> and i want to go see the superman movie with chris reeves tonight um oh there he is oh look how handsome excellent
1: my kids think I'm so old because I was from the 1900s. Yeah.
0: Oh, you are old. So am I. But that's not the point. These kids, they, they don't know. They'll know later. Wait till they get older and the stories they have to tell are about Dua Lipa. Then they'll be embarrassed. <laughs> At least your stories about the Rolling Stones or the Beatles or Guns N' Roses. Oh, I,
1: love See? I love it. I love it. love all the good music. I am lucky, though, in the sense my kids really like all that music
0: a cool. lot. I'm glad my, uh, my kids have pretty eclectic taste in music. And I'm, uh, I'm always been happy about that. Um, just because right? some of the, news- I feel
1: like that's like such a, um, it's almost like I'm, I'm really proud of that, that my kids like good music. They don't listen to this, you know, they're not listening to the crappy music. They like the good <laughs> stuff. A,
0: turn that off. That horrible. I do my best to listen to what they listen to and try to keep up with it. My son makes it a little harder than Arden does, um, but I, I've still I've still heard modern music that Cole likes that I've enjoyed a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But oh, o- for sure. But overall, uh, I'm just telling you, 50 years from now, you're still going to know who the Beatles are, and uh, if you know who Little X is, I'll be really surprised. That that's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. But I won't yeah. live 50 years more, so it's not going to matter anyway. Uh, <laughs> this is all just things I say to fill time. Um, <sighs> Katie. with an, <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do. All right. Katie with a Y I got to jump. Um, I don't know what to call this one. I'll figure it out. Nah, I'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Unless you do it. think right now. you'll
1: think of something.
0: My problem is I just put up an episode called a ball of anxiety. So I'm i <laughs> oh
1: I'm going to have to go in a yeah, different no, direction. You, I'm sure you'll think of something.
0: Yeah. It'll, it'll, it'll come to me in a vision. Um, I, I really do appreciate your time. Thank you very much for doing this.
1: Of course. I was so happy to come on. Um, and yeah, just such a pleasure. Thank you oh, so much.
0: Oh, I'm glad. All right. First, let's thank the good people at Contournext.com forward slash Juicebox. That's right. Contournext one. Go get yourself an accurate meter at contournext.com forward slash juice box. I also want to thank InPen from Medtronic Diabetes for sponsoring this episode and remind you to go to inpentoday.com to get started right now with that insulin pen that has some of the features that you've come to expect from an insulin pump, inpentoday.com. Lastly, I'd like to thank Katie for coming on the show and sharing her story. I thought she was terrific and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. If you're looking for community around diabetes, you really should check out the absolutely free Facebook group for the Juicebox Podcast. Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. It's a private group, which just means that you're going to have to answer a couple of small questions to get in. Just, you know, what kind of diabetes you have, stuff like that. And uh, then you're in with 30,000 other people having conversations right now that I'm sure you would be interested in. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. If you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series, they're available beginning at episode 210 in your podcast player. There's a list available in the Featured tab of the Juicebox Podcast private Facebook group, or you can find them at diabetesprotip.com and juiceboxpodcast.com.